Anyway, good morning, everyone. Uh, good to see you all. While I'm getting organised here, um, oh, while I'm getting organised here, please, if you haven't already made a move towards the children's um, uh, gear, if you have children that want to colour in, uh, we always provide colouring in at the back and pencil cases. And if you would like to follow along with the Bible and you don't have one today, there's also Bibles here at the back too. You can um, all join the stampede um, as we uh, get organised for my my message today. Um, yeah, so I've got sound on. I think it'd be really good to pray before I get into this. So uh, would you join me in prayer? Um, Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that um, you do teach us and grow us and refine us through it. Um, and Lord, you show us the way to life and the blessing. Um, you show us your glory of who you are. And I pray that today you would help me to um, bring your message and build up your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. People still get organised, that's okay. I can all, I'll get onto it. So, um, first up, I thought I'd share with you a story. Uh, a man was running ter- uh, had a car that was running terribly rough and uh, it was making a clunkety-clunk sound. So, uh, which even the untrained person knows is much more concerning than a ping-tick-ping sound. When it's clunkety-clunk, we know that's not good. So it was decided to drop it off at the mechanic. Uh, The next day, the owner of the car came and asked the mechanic in a hopeful tone, does the engine need new oil? And the mechanic's response was, no, I'm sorry, but my assessment is quite the opposite. Keep the oil if you want, but get a new engine. So get a new engine. We are in a series called Heart, Tongue, Hands, Feet. How the gospel changes us from the inside out. So first of all, we've, we've had uh, our first part one was on the heart. And uh, God shows us our, our fullness. We need a new heart. We need that new engine um, that is going to um, transform us to being a, a new creation in Christ. So... Uh, And from that new heart is what the second part we had last week. Um, I was looking for it online. It's not there yet. I was keen to hear John's message. I was away with a family holiday. But it was on the things we speak, how they flow from our heart. So uh, the key passage was in Luke 6. uh, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I'm looking forward to hearing that sermon when it's online, John. Um, and uh, part three is um, today we're at the hands um, doing from the heart our actions will fit in line with the transformation of our hearts so so this is actually a pretty massive topic it spans across the whole of the bible really Um, i can't possibly cover it all so um, you know it's it's a challenge but Actually, I think that's any, any sermon is actually like that. There's, it's impossible for any preacher, no matter how good they may be, uh, to, um, to deliver the full message of, of any passage, of any scripture. The depths of the living word of God are so deep. Um, there's always more to learn. And so uh, we just have to be content with our portion for the day. And uh, so that's what I'm going to try, to try to give. I can't possibly give you it all, um, but we'll, we'll try to get what we can today. Hopefully I hit some of the key messages of, of especially this text of Romans 12. Um, and 
I, I just on that comment, I want to just make mention. There's always so much we need to learn from God, and we as individuals can't wait for the church uh, to preach it to us. Um, everything we need to know to deal with life, we can't possibly wait to hear it from our church. We too need to have our own personal study and our own personal relationship with God to to be able to know and um, have the wisdom of God to navigate through the many challenges of life, which I'm sure you would all, uh, from day to day, come aware with. There's, there's so many challenges, and God's Word helps us so much. The more we grow and know it, uh, the better it helps us. So, Also, on this topic of good works, uh, the hands, our, our, our work, I need to navigate us around, I think, two common pitfalls. Uh, firstly, there's the thought that so many people just sort of detect in society or, or even indeed in our churches that doing good things, doing good works can earn my acceptance with God. So let me speak to that straight away. The Bible clearly says that's impossible. Romans 3, 20 to 23, for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. So our good works cannot earn us acceptance with God. The other pendulum swing can go the other way. Um, for believers who know that we are saved by faith in Christ apart from works, we, don't need, that they, we might wrongly conclude that we don't need to bother with good works then. Um, we can just carry on with our lives. Um, it's all good. God's dealt with it and I'll, one day I'll die and I'll be in heaven with him, but I don't have to change the way I live. Um, and, you know, uh, that too is error. Um, The most beautiful passage, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, really shows this in balance beautifully. It says, For by grace we have been saved through faith, and this is not of our own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So good works do matter. It's actually what we are born again as a believer for God is actually creating in us a, a new way of life um, which is going to come about um, and it flows from that change of our heart first and foremost. So hopefully I've spoken to those pitfalls, we've got to, got to get, get the order right um, and uh, let's get into our passage of Romans now, Romans 12, if you do want to follow along I'm going to use this as my, my base text um, even though I jump elsewhere around, you might as well keep a bookmark there. Um, So uh, I've, I'm going to especially dwell on the first couple of verses because um, that's what I'm going to do. Um, there's four key teachings that I really want to um, uh, highlight to us, I think, that inform our actions of our good works. So have I actually got them up on the... Are they on the presenter? Are they? Yeah. Could I get the clicker... We'll get that up. So our good works first are a response to God's mercy. They're unreserved surrender, surrender, a result of a renewed mind, and ultimately resemble Christ. So the four R's to help us remember. I've picked the letter R. I had to be cheeky with the second one, unreserved. But have we got them up there? Here we go. They're a response to God's mercy. Unreserved surrender, a result of a renewed mind, and ultimately resemble Christ. So, a response to God's mercy. Let's, let's look at that first. So, um, 
We note right here at the start of our passage in Romans 12, there is the word therefore. Now, whenever you come to the word therefore in reading the Bible, we should always pause to think, what is it there for? Um, that was something that always stuck with me, but it's actually a really key word. It's, it's talking about, I've just given, what, when you come to therefore, it's saying, whatever I've just said actually impacts on what I'm about to tell you now. And um, this particular therefore may be one of the biggest in the entire Bible because it's referring to all the 11 chapters of teaching thus far in this incredibly deep letter that Paul has written to the Romans, which is explaining and defending the glorious gospel of God. So there's a lot that this, therefore, um, is trying to encompass. Um, Romans 12 here is actually at a pivotal point of the section of the book of Romans. So it shifts from what we call the indicative in the first 11 chapters to the imperative. Okay, indicative imperative, they're big words, but the indicative is talking about um, our predicament as sinners uh, and what God has done to rescue us. That's sort of the, the understanding about the problem and the solution. And then the imperative is about how we should live in response to what God has done and to our predicament. Okay, so the imperative is like how we should act. It's the, it's the I guess, the um, practical side of putting into place what... Um, what we've already learnt. So um, just to highlight this, the shift in the book of Romans, um, not myself, but people have tried to tally how many um, commands there are in, in different chapters of books and that sort of thing. Romans chapter 12 apparently has 36 imperative commands, uh, which is roughly five times more than the entire first 11 chapters. They don't even average one command per chapter. This one's got 36 in it. Okay, so um, there's a big shift here in the book of Romans. Hopefully that's enough evidence for you to see. And those commands continue right up until chapter 15, verse 13 in this book. So, um, so this, therefore, <laughs> is, is, is about, is, it's changing. Things are going to get really practical here. Um, we're, we're shifting um, to how are we to live? What are we to do with our lives, with our hands? Um, how are we to live in response to what we have, we've heard? So, so this kind of distinct transition is also present in other new books, uh, in New Testament books of the Bible. Um, I most notably remember the book of Ephesians when I studied that. That's got six chapters and the first three, you know, the first half is what we call the indicative. The second half is called the imperative and, you know, what God has done and how we are to live in the light of that. So, um, yeah, the whole idea is that we are to live according to who we are. In Christ, we, we discover who we are and then we live accordingly, um, bringing our actions in line with the truth or with the realities um, that we've learned. Um, so, you know, in another way, this is in essence a, a demonstration too of what our series is actually on how our heart is first transformed. We, we hear the word of God, we hear who He is, uh, that, that impacts our heart, and then um, we f further go on to impacting our behavior. Um, so, I appeal to you, brothers, therefore, by the mercies of God. So, this, how are we to respond in according to the mercies of God? This is uh, uh, the, the question we're faced with right at the start of Romans 12. Um, pr present yourselves, your bodies, as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So, 
uh, one online article that um, I read paraphrased this passage to say, because of God's awesome power, he's trying to summarise briefly the first 11 chapters, because of God's awesome power, his mercy and grace, he chose and elected you to be his own, to cleanse and justify and save you from sin and death. In response to all of this, you should present your lives as a living sacrifice, for it is the only sensible, reasonable, appropriate thing to do. So the first point I'm wanting to hopefully highlight for us is that our works, our, our, what we want to do with our lives are in response to who God is. Um, it's the logical thing to do when you, we are faced with who God is, who we are. And um, so highlighting here the motivation, we aren't doing to earn salvation. We don't do good works to earn salvation. Let's make that clear. But in responding to God's mercy, his wisdom, his power, and also our desperate need, our fallenness, we, we respond out of the understanding of that to um, be motivated to live our lives for God. So, so there's, there's a variety of different motivations then that this response brings. We have gratitude uh, for all that we have received. So we're motivated to love God because we are thankful for what he has done. And indeed, if we love God, we will obey his commandments, says in John, John's Gospel. Because we love God, our creator, we want to please him. We want to be a holy and acceptable living sacrifice. It's our spiritual worship. It's, it's how we sing songs to God. That's actually only a part of worship. Our whole life is worship. Our, our doing in every day, um, when we do it with an attitude of wanting to please God, it is worship. Um, and look, there's, there's many other motivations that, um, that come from that response of who God, uh, of what God has done and, and uh, who we are. Um, another one here I wanted to highlight for us, our response is actually in fulfilling our destiny. Um, where we actually become, like, at the fall, humanity lost its relationship with God and fell out of the, um, you know, we started serving our own way instead of um, being who we were made to be. And God has redeemed us. He's brought us back into his, he's brought us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And we are, are brought back to who we were made to be. We can fulfill our destiny and even in uh, verse 6 of this chapter, Romans 12, it talks about God's given each of us different gifts. Let us use them. That's, that's what God has given us to be. So our, our motivation um, so much comes from that responding to who God is um, in, in, in a variety of other respects. So I, I'm not going to exhaust them all. There's, there's, um, I'll, I'll move on to my next point. But... Uh, hopefully, uh, we can see clearly first our actions are a response to who God is, the therefore. The point two of unreserved surrender, um, I see that as a way of trying to summarise the living sacrifice aspect of this verse, offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. This is big. <laughs> this is effectively saying, here I am, Lord. God, how do you want me to live from here on? Not my will, but yours be done. I belong to you, and I trust you with my ambitions, my hopes, and my plans. 
I am your servant, Lord. It's an acknowledgement of the lordship of Christ over all of our life. We belong to him now. Um, and and this, is, this is a beautiful act of, of trust. We realise we can completely trust in the character of God. And I, I just want to acknowledge here at this point, we're jumping in at chapter 12. I'd love to spend a lot of time looking at the first 11 chapters so that we can draw these conclusions to appeal to our... Um, uh, offering ourselves as living sacrifices because there's so much richness we can draw out of um, those chapters which just show, um, you know, the, the, obviously the, the, the mercy of God, um, the wisdom of God, um, also our desperate need. Our, um, when, when, we write, when we grasp that God has our best interests at heart and that a life devoted to God is a life that leads to blessing and joy and life and freedom um, and to live as we were made to be, um, that those things are fundamental to that being able to trust God with ourselves with a as a living sacrifice. So um, we also, sometimes we have a too higher idea of ourselves and a too lower um, uh, idea of who God is and, and really has so often especially our, our thoughts about ourselves, we, we so often trust our intellect, but how often can we be wrong? Think about how different the, the, knowledge, the amount of knowledge that God has and that it's perfect and comprehensive compared to the knowledge that we have that can be faulty. You know, when you compare the two, it, it, it's really what we're able to decide and think is really quite pathetic, um, if I may use that word. Um, Isaiah 55 verse 9 has a really good way of illustrating it. It says, as high as the heavens, sorry, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I think that's uh, a good reminder to just who are we trusting our lives with? Is it with ourselves that can be so wrong and misguided or with God who, who knows all? who um, loves us and who created us, who is himself perfectly good and trustworthy. Um, so when we grasp this, then it makes sense. We come to a verse like Proverbs 3, verse um, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. In my own personal journey of grappling with the Lordship of Christ over my life, um, I actually remember I was in my mid-twenties, and, and this is, a, I'm a lad that grew up in my church all my life, and, and I'm sure there's times that you revisit things and whatever. I believe I, I gave my heart to the Lord at age of three uh, with my mother. Um, she led me to the Lord in, in a, in a um, real and genuine way. But this, this idea of surrendering all of my life to God. I remember I was in my mid-twenties, I was grappling with this, and it was probably the first time I'd really ever heard the topic of the Lordship of Christ clearly preached. Um, I was on a young adults camp. So that, that was in itself, I think. I was like, why haven't I really heard this teaching before? It's possibly neglected. It's, it's quite challenging to bring, but it's, 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 the, it's the word of God. Um, the speaker made a comment that really struck me. <clears throat> he said... Many want Christ as their saviour, but few as their Lord. 
he said, however, I doubt it's possible that Christ can be your saviour unless he is your Lord. And that really struck me. You know, true repentance, it came to mind. True repentance is when we, we turn from sin and we live in obedience to Christ. Um, it's actually in, in our turning from sin and trusting in Christ, this very act is the act of surrendering our lives to Christ and saying, Lord, not my will but yours be done. So, so that, was, that was really key for me. Another thing that I think really helped me, and, and please don't hear that I'm the person that's got this Lordship of Christ thing all together, this surrender thing all down pat. I don't. Um, I'll talk a bit more about the living sacrifice as challenges later. But um, another thing that really helped me in, in that <clears throat> grappling with how can I surrender to God all my ambitions and plans, um, I came to the point of realisation that there's actually there's a real beauty and a freedom in this relationship with God. You know, <clears throat> God asks us to seek first his kingdom and he promises that he will supply our need. He says, don't worry about your clothes, your food, your, you know, your home. He's like, I know you need these things even before you ask me, but he says, seek first my kingdom and I will supply your need. To me, it, it, when I really grasp this, that there's this master and servant relationship which the Bible often refers to in its parables and things, the servant's concern isn't about where his next meal's coming from. The servant's concern is about pleasing his master. Um, and the master's responsibility is to supply the needs of the whole household, which includes their servant. And, and when I grasp that, that I don't have to worry about my needs, I don't have to worry about the kingdom of Eric Adams, like, I, I'm asked to to build God's kingdom and, and may, I, may I decrease and he increase. May... may um, may I just faithfully be a servant and I can be reassured God will supply my need. That's not my worry. It, there's actually, to me, I found there was a real beauty in understanding that. And John was actually in prayer this morning and he, he actually read this quote out and I'm like, John, can I use that <laughs> um, for my sermon today? Because it, it was just highlighting that this, it was like, yes, that was the quote that I was probably needing to illustrate that it, it, it's this beautiful aspect of our surrender. It says... People imagine that dying to self makes one miserable, but it is just the opposite. This is a quote from Roy Hessian um, in a little book that's going to be available in our um, library soon, I'm told. Um, they imagine dying to self is going to make us miserable, but it's just the opposite. It's the refusal to die to self that makes one miserable. The more we know of the death of him, the more we shall know of his life in us. And so the more of real peace and joy, sorry, and so the more real peace and joy. His life too will overflow through us to the lost souls in a real concern for their salvation and to our fellow Christians in a deep desire for their blessing. So I, I thought that was, it was beautiful to see someone else who had um, agreed with that, that realisation that in that dying to self, we imagine it to be a miserable thing. We do. Um, that wrestle within us uh, for those who are born again we have the old sin nature and we have the spirit of God and um, sometimes we we um, we don't want to let go of the steering wheel of our life do we but um, there, there actually is true joy and peace in that okay so that was a throw it throw it into my sermon in a, in a um, last minute effort but I, I really appreciated that that uh, quote thanks John um, there's, I was going to mention too, the, the, the part of surrendering to God is, um, 
is something that we have to keep revisiting. Did you notice it refers to us as a living sacrifice? And you know the problem with a living sacrifice is that you can't just make up your mind at one point that I'm going to I'm going to live for God now and for the rest of my life and that's it. Um, a living sacrifice is still alive and uh, it has a tendency to keep hopping off the altar. You know, um, we we say God, yep, I'll trust you. You, you know, you, what what do you want me to um, to I don't know to do uh, with with my work or with this sort of thing or I, I don't know it could be everyday things in my marriage or whatever uh, but then we have a tendency to keep like wanting to take back control at times and there's going to be in a Christian's life there's going to be this regular occurrence of reminding ourselves Lord I do need to surrender <laughs> again to you and this is going to be something I, I um, I'm going to be challenged with I'm going to be grappled uh, with reminding myself I can trust God for my, every, every, for my life. Um, yeah, okay, so that's unreserved surrender. Point three, a result of a renewed mind. So we see here in verse two, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So again, getting back to the heart of our topic we're talking about, heart, tongue, hands, feet, the inner transformation occurs first. Um, it's tempting, uh, society is often tempted to try to just change behaviour, but if you don't change the heart, the behaviour will eventually just revert back to how it used to be, or it's just, it's just not going to work. Um, our transformation comes from the re renewal of our mind. <coughs> that... By testing, we may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So that is another word. When we come to the word that in Scripture, it also is it's, it's a noteworthy word. It's actually implying cause and effect. Um, God's saying that if, if we do part A, then this is what I intend to be the result in, in, in our lives. And we can see that God wants us to renew our mind that we may know his will, that we may um, know what is good and acceptable and perfect. We don't know that. We need to. When we're born again, we don't just suddenly get all the information of what God wants us to do in our life. We have to renew our mind. And uh, how do we do that? Well, you know, hopefully it's obvious. We, we need to study God's word. We need to meditate on it. We need to listen to sound teaching. Um, it will help you if you take notes, if you discuss it, if we ask those questions. There's never a dumb question. If you actually think of it and you don't know the answer, it's not a dumb question and it will really help you to ask those questions. And it says here that we need to do testing. We have to be discerning that there, it, it's, it's easy to be in error and um, we want to test things to make sure we're on the right path. Um, that yes, there's false teachers. The scriptures talk about wolves in sheep's clothing, but, but even the best of, of, of preachers or teachers, um, and I'll not put myself on, on that pedestal, but even the best, there's no one that has a perfect grasp of God's word. There's no one that has a perfect life, um, but we're all trying to point to the truth of God's word and to the perfect one, Jesus Christ. And so as individuals, we need to test what we're hearing. We need to know that um, what... 
the preacher is saying, oh, yes, I can see that in the word of God. Yes, I, I, I see where they're, oh, I'm not, I'm not so sure about how he made that point. I don't see that. We, we should hold those things um, uh, loosely until we can see it from the word of God that he is teaching us. So um, my grandpa and grandma used to often talk about the noble Bereans in the book of Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Um, the Bereans, when uh, the apostle Paul came to them, it says um, they were examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Uh, and it calls them more noble than those who were in Thessalonica because they were examining the scriptures. And it says, and more believed because of that. So when the teaching, even if the teaching is this, the teaching of an apostle of God, Paul, you know, um, surely we don't have to look at our Bible. We just listen to it and take it in. No, they were testing it. They were looking at the word of God and it added to their faith. They had even greater blessing because they were examining those things. So I'll never be upset about anyone checking what I said in the word of God and I don't think any preacher here should be. It's a, it's a healthy thing. And um, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's uh, part of our renewing our mind. Okay, studying the word of God, testing things. And then we will know what God wants us to do. And I want to get to point four here now. And I, I have to admit, with my title, I had to think of an R, and it was difficult to, to know how to summarise this. This, um, this is basically the summary of the, the rest of the chapter from verse three to, to the end. Um, but it definitely it gives us a, a, um, the marks of a Christian, of, of who we are to resemble. It doesn't actually say in here we are to resemble Christ. I believe that's consistent with other parts of, of Scripture in the Bible, that we are to be the aroma of Christ, we're to be uh, made into his likeness. So that's why I've used that title here. But certainly it gives us so many... Um, it's, it, it actually gets quite punchy, I think, in this um, latter part of... From verse 9 onwards, it get, it, we have so many different um, little aspects of, of ways that God is showing us how we can live. We'll, we'll get to read some of those shortly together, but first... Um, uh, I, I'll let you know, we don't have time to go through all this rest in the detail, rest assured, we, we, uh, we don't have to get through it all. Uh, but, um, so these, God is going to show us now in this part of the, the book of Romans, but also throughout the word of God, he shows us practical ways of what, it, um, you know, how our transformed heart um, can live out in everyday life. And these commands aren't a set of behaviours to follow like a prescriptive checklist that we can mark off. We just, you can't just, you know, it's not like pray at set times of the day. Oh yes, did that. Uh, cook a meal for a poor person each week. Check, did that. No, it, it's actually, he's speaking directly to attitudes of our heart that give us the why behind our decisions. Um, so, so let's just hop in and get a bit of a taste of some of these from verse 9. Um, if you would join me there. So, so we're being encouraged to let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. You can't just do a checklist for that, can you? <laughs> it's, it's a different kind. He's talking about the heart attitude. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. So, we get a lot of guidance and help from God's word about how to 
live every day. We won't actually get a get one that says when your child, um, you know, does A, then you do part B. It, it doesn't. We don't actually get uh, that prescriptive stuff. But we get um, God's uh, wisdom and His general principles, which underlie everything that we do to do things out of a heart of love, out of a love of virtue of what is good, hating evil, um, to um, to love our neighbour. All those those things. They're, they're principles that are. They're not commands that are burdensome. They're not like, you know, you didn't do that checklist today. Um, that, um, we, it's so encouraging to know that Christ gives us, there's, there's, there's actually a, a general realm of freedom to live out these, these commands that he's given us. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. You know, Jesus is actually alongside us, helping us to live for him day by day. Um, we take his yoke upon us and we, we are brought in as his team to work with Christ. It's a, it's a beautiful picture that um, when we're um, feeling like we're, I don't know, uh, we're alone, we're not. <laughs> we, have, we have Christ always alongside us. And hopefully we're plugged into our um, local church and um, you know, believers alongside us too that encourage us and work with us in God's kingdom. So, so I thought that was probably enough to try to draw out of this passage of Romans 12 today about um, the hands. But I, I, wanted to, I wanted to speak to that aspect. Well, what about when we've just read through this I, and I feel like that um, I fail to measure up to those marks of a true, true Christian? Um, what about the fact that I struggle with sin still and things like that? Well... You know, what, what can we learn? Um, you know, what can I say to you? Firstly, can I just encourage us when our behaviour, or when we know that things are, are reoccurring for us in our behaviour, it's a sign that something's wrong in our heart. That's, that's, that's ultimately um, what it's pointing to. And, um, you know, we may just need a tune-up or we may need a new engine. Um, firstly... The question I, I have to present is, have you received the new heart that we all so desperately need? Have we been born again by confessing your sin to God and trusting wholly in the work of Christ to save us? Not in our good deeds, but in Christ who has paid our debt on the cross and who rose again. If you're not sure that you can say you have a new heart, that you have been born again, can I urge you to speak with someone about that before you leave today? We can never have our behaviour right if we haven't got first a new heart from God. But if you can say yes, that you truly believe you have been born again, you have been given God's, uh, you know, you've trusted in Christ as your saviour, you, you he's been making you a new creation, yet you still feel like you fail, um, can I... First, then, remind us that we are all a work in progress. The scripture calls this sanctification. Um, it's a lifelong process of becoming more and more like Christ as we die to sin and as we live to God. Yet we have, we have this new nature when we're born again, but we also have the old sin nature, which we are trying to, or slay is a, an old term, uh, to try to kill. We're trying to... Um, put away our sinful nature and to live by the Spirit of God in, in our new nature. And, but it's still alive and we have to this wrestle with it and it's called sanctification and it's a process. So 
be, be kind to yourself when you fail. If, if you realise it and you want to please God, that's telling me your heart's in a good place when you, when you want to get things right. Um, remember that God is a gracious Father. He doesn't stop loving us as his children when we fail. He does will us onward toward his good and perfect way, but he is kind and gentle. And he will, um, you know, there are consequences for sin and he will carry us through that and help us. So, so hopefully that's an encouragement. Firstly, we, all, we are all going to struggle with making our lives match up to God's perfect standard. Um, again, can I also say, if we are aware of our sins, though, confess them. Apologise and repent from your mistakes, not only to God, but if you've also hurt someone else with those sins, confess to, to them and apologise to them. Um, do you know, in this confession, in, in actually verbalising it and acknowledging it, I truly believe there's God-given power when we own our behaviour and commit to changing. Um, he who confesses and forsakes his sin will obtain mercy. Um, it says in Proverbs, I forget where, that has come to mind. Um, perhaps we need to surrender again to God. Like I said, we're a living sacrifice. We tend to um, take back things that we've surrendered. <laughs> and, um, you know, um, there's actually, there's even some, I've had it for myself. There's, there's been a time I've realised there's a, it's a particular area of my life that I've actually not really been willing to surrender to God. I'd... You know, um, it, it, I, I, it was my work life and I sort of felt like I was trying to build up my own... I, I guess it's a, you've, you're advancing and you're... Um, I, I sort of... I wasn't really sure I wanted to surrender to God. You know, what if he wanted me to do something else with my life besides what I wanted? Um, you know, sometimes, we, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, that, that what I'm trying to highlight for us, we can all have uh, those um, difficulties surrendering ourselves. Our, all of our desires and ambitions, and so that that could also be something that um, we need to revisit. And there can also be at times deep-rooted sin in our hearts, which um, reoccur for us: pride, anger, lust, self-pity, greed. Um, at times, we need to seek prayer and godly counsel from a pastor or a very mature Christian to help us to deal with those. Um, again, we need to take a close look at our heart and the lies that we are believing and um, perhaps even journal them and remind ourselves of the truths from the Bible with Bible verses and things to help us uh, renew our heart and mind to, um, to help with those. So, so hopefully that's a, a practical and helpful thing to um, look at as we've as we looked at our, our hands, our behaviour, um, trying to surrender all that we do to God. Um, can I pray for us as we uh, try to apply God's word to our lives? Father God, thank you that uh, you are good and that we um, are so grateful that you have saved us in our desperate need. And Father, thank you that uh, you show us uh, salvation is in your Son, and there's nothing that we could have done to make ourselves right with you, but you've already done it, and you offer um, salvation as a gift. And so, Lord, as we 
receive you and seek to follow you, Lord, we ask that you would help us. Help us to respond rightfully to your mercy and grace with joy, uh, with joyful obedience, um, Lord, with unreserved surrender. Help us to renew our minds, to be transformed and to discern your good and perfect will and to bring you glory in all that we do. And Father, help us to resemble Christ, our Saviour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.